Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. So Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this day, God, and we just ask your blessing upon this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do is just uh, briefly talk to you about two men um, from the Bible that give us a great example of what can happen uh, when you approach life by loving people. It's what I talked about last week about pursuing love while we desire the gifts. That is, we love God first and we love people. As long as the motivation is love, everything will take care of itself. And so with doing that with these two men and to let you see that the world needs us. The world needs us to be what God has called us to be. The world needs us to be sons and daughters. The world needs us to be the bride of Christ. The world needs us to care and the world needs us to serve And the world needs us to shine. And so in the scripture that we just read, Jesus said that we're the salt of the earth and that we are the light of the world. So that means we're important. Uh, Without us, the world doesn't have these things. And so the world needs us. And so think about what he said. He said, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, or in the King James it says uh, savor, how shall it be seasoned? It is, no, uh, it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Now, I know that all around the world today, uh, there are going to be different churches doing different styles. Uh, we can have different styles of worship, different styles of preaching, different styles of music, different, different styles of everything. But I want to propose to you that we should all have the same flavor. It may be different styles and different methods, but we should have the same flavor. So here's what I mean by that. Could it be that there are so many problems and struggles in the church today because we've lost our flavor? We've lost who we're supposed to be. We're lost the way we're supposed to do things. And I've heard this uh, messages on this passage of Scripture many, many times uh, throughout the years. And uh, they would talk about how salt is a preservative. Have you ever heard a message like that? Salt, we're, we're supposed to be, as Christians, we're supposed to preserve the world. And if you look in any commentary, probably uh, at least 90% of them, but probably 100%, you're going to see that very thing uh, when you get to this scripture. It's going to talk about that. And that's an important truth. It's a powerful message. It's, it's a good message. 
but I want to uh, propose a question to you that maybe will give you a little different take on it. Uh, if you look at the uh, a little closer at this verse uh, with whatever, I do it on eSword, but you can use whatever logos or whatever the other ones are. Uh, if you look, take a little closer look at this verse, you'll see that the Greek word there uh, for flavor or savor, because uh, you get it at the King James, when it says, if, flaut lo- if, flaut, if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? That Greek word there is moreno, if I'm saying it right. And if you look at what that word means, the, that word means to, uh, uh, to become a fool or to make foolish, Okay. Now, remember, I said that we should all, even every church, we have different methods and different styles, but we should have the same flavor. So if you take the meaning of this word and you go from, from that, basically, you could say that salt without flavor is foolishness. Because that's what that word means, to become a fool or to make foolish. So salt without flavor is foolishness. Then what is the flavor of salt? So if salt without flavor becomes foolish or is foolishness, then the flavor of salt is supposed to be wisdom. But the question is, where is the wisdom in the church today? Why aren't we being the salt that we're supposed to be, that we've been, been, been called to be? The flavor is the wisdom of the Lord. We need the wisdom of the Lord uh, in our lives. The world needs us, not just to be a preservative, but to be a difference maker through Christ. The world needs us because the world needs the wisdom of the Lord, and we need to get out there like Jesus has told us to, and we need to add that flavor. We need to add that wisdom of the Lord to what's going on all over the world. You don't have to look far to see all the foolishness. It's everywhere. It's crazy. We see it going on, and, 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 and this world's in desperate need of the children of God to start being the salt of the earth like we've been called to be, to bring that wisdom of the Lord into every situation that we, we come upon. And let the wisdom of God begin to change people's lives and change people's circumstances. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 1, and this is from the Passion Translation, it says, The Holy Spirit has explicitly revealed at the end of this age many will depart from the true faith one after another, devoting themselves to spirits of deception and following demon-inspired revelations and theories. How does this happen? By losing your flavor. By not operating under the wisdom of the Lord and becoming deceived and falling into some crazy stuff. We've all seen it happen to people that you would never. How could somebody that gifted, how could that happen? How could this happen? We need to be the salt of the earth. We need to have the wisdom of the Lord uh, in our lives. The world needs us to. The church needs us to. Our families need us to. And so also in the verses that we read, Jesus, then he says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, a lot of people will say when you look at this verse, they'll they'll say that our job as the light of the world is to um, expose the darkness. Now, um, I don't really agree with that because... I don't know about you, but when I get home at night and when I flip on the light, the light doesn't expose darkness. It breaks through the darkness and it expels the darkness out of the room. The darkness has to leave. I don't flip on the light and all of a sudden, oh, there's some darkness over there being exposed. That's not, that's not how it works. 
And so, see, in the, in the Bible days when a person was traveling and they were worn out, they were tired, they were hungry, they would see that city on the hill because it was all lit up. It wasn't exposing darkness. It was breaking through the darkness, and the person could see that, that there, was, there was help there. There was shelter there. There was nourishment and rest. Whatever they needed, they would be able to find it. See, the world doesn't need us to be the light to just expose and show them their problems. They already know they got them. We already know we have them. Don't you know they already know they got them? We all are dealing with things. We all have problems that we're addressing in our lives. They already know that they have problems. The world needs us to shine and to break through that darkness that's surrounding them to show them that there's hope in Jesus Christ. And, and sometimes we, we, it's, it's easy to expose uh, things. You know, it, it's, anyone can find dirt on somebody. But it takes a son and a daughter of God. It takes a true person that loves people and loves God to keep digging until you find the gold. It takes effort and it, take, and it, and it takes work. See, when we are truly being the light of the world, it will draw people to us. It's just going to happen, just like that, the, the city on the hill. In Isaiah 60, verse 1, it says this, uh, for verses 1 through 3, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. See, Jesus said that He was the light of the world. Then He turned around and said that you and I are the light of the world, because we have Christ in us. And when we're truly being the light of the world, it will draw people. All people, even, even kings, even very important people. And we see these examples in the lives of Daniel and Joseph. I hadn't forgot about my two guys. If you think about the situations that these men were in, I mean, it's just crazy. To, we think that like uh, Hannah talking about the, the way that they were living with nothing over there. We think we got it bad. And look at what these guys had to go through. They, and they were able to still have tremendous influence on everyone around them, including kings and nations. If you look at Daniel, now I'm, uh, I'm not the best at keeping up with timelines, uh, but I know probably a lot of you are like me. You, you start reading Daniel, and it's easily, easy to start picturing it in your mind, and you don't realize how long this story is. It just seems like, you know, they, they take them in, and in just a couple of weeks, they're, they're, he's doing the fast, and then in just a couple of weeks... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego won't bow. And then in just a couple of weeks, he's in the lion's den. Like it happens in an 18-month period. But that's not how it, how it goes. Um, we, we pictured that way, but Daniel was an old man when he was thrown in the lion's den. And uh, he had been in Babylon over 60 years when this took place. Some people don't even realize that there was multiple kings that he had to serve. Because it's just so easy to read it like it's just happening day, one day after the other. But this was a long period of, of time. And so what do you think that had to be like for him? All these, you think your situation has lasted a long time. You think you've been praying for it for a while. Here he is 60 years. He's taken from his home as a young man. They changed his name from uh, Daniel, which means God is my judge. Do they change it to uh, Belshazzar, which after Nebuchadnezzar's God? Um, and then they make him the chief of the magicians. 
So he's working all day with people in witchcraft. He's, he's looking after these people, and his job is to make sure they do a good job and they're worshiping false gods. Could you imagine what that was like if you go to your job and everybody working for you is a, a, a Satan worshiper and you still got to help, help them do a good job and be successful? If they took me away from my home and changed my, fam, uh, my name and uh, changed my name to something worshiping a false god and then put me over the psychics and the fortune tellers and uh, palm readers and all that stuff, and I'm supposed to help them do a good job, that would be difficult. But even with all this going on, somehow Daniel was able to stay faithful to God and he was able to serve those around him. He was able to be salt and light. And he had amazing influence. Uh, even though there was wickedness all around him, he didn't let that keep him from being what God called him to be. And so God's favor was upon him. And so Daniel loved God and he loved and he cared for those around him no matter what they were doing. And we can see this influence and this love that he had in the story of, of uh, being thrown in with the lions. Uh, after Daniel, he had spent the night in the lion's den. The king runs down to him and he called out to him, uh, uh, Daniel... I gave you this verse, but I didn't write down what the verse was, Jonathan. So the first one I gave you in Daniel, and I think it's the second part of the verse. It says, he's, the king said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lion's den? So look at the reputation that he had. Your God, whom you serve continually. People knew what Daniel was about. They knew what he stood for. And the king spoke this way because of the influence that Daniel had been able to have on his life. And so he asked him, has God, your God, been able to rescue you from the lions? And then Daniel answers him, and when he answers him, we can see why he had this kind of influence. Now, I don't know how you would have answered, but that wouldn't have been my answer. I would have answered with as much as I could get away with saying without being executed. I would have, I would have told the king what I thought about him. Yeah, I'm all right. No thanks to you. I should have never been down here. I hadn't done anything. But he says, may the king live forever. That was his heart. That was the first thought that comes out of his mouth after what he just went through, spending the night down there. May the king live forever. See, Daniel loved the king. Even after everything he had been through, it was still, may the king live forever. And so his influence came because of the favor of God and because of his love for people. We see the same thing with Joseph. Now, Joseph, we're, we're studying Joseph on, uh, in our connect groups with the men now. And uh, I actually had started a series on Joseph um, at 707 uh, the last month we were there and got about halfway finished with it. So I'm, we may start it up here sometime soon. But Joseph's story, there's just so much to it. It's, it's just, and everyone probably knows most of it, but, you know, all that he went through the betrayal of his brothers, and then with Potiphar's wife, and then Potiphar. And so he's a slave, and then he's a prisoner, and then he ends up being the second most powerful man in the world under Pharaoh. And uh, all this because his brothers sold him into slavery, he winds up in Egypt. Now he's the second most powerful man. And we know that he had the favor of God upon his life. We read about it over and over, and we know that he cared for people. He always did a good job. He was always looking after other people's stuff and everybody's stuff that he looked after, they were blessed because of him. He did a good job for every person and looking after their goods that he was in charge of. He helped other people be successful. You don't see a lot of that these days, not even in the church. There's a lot of jealousy and a lot of 
competition, but very, all, very uh, seldom do you see people who just love people enough to try to help them succeed. But that's what Joseph did. And so when he's in pre- prison, he cared enough to take the time to hear the dreams of the butler and the, and the baker. And because he told them and interpreted their dreams, that's ultimately what gets him in front of Pharaoh to interpret Pharaoh's dream. And so even with all the bad things that Joseph had done, uh, had done to him by other people, he was still able to be salt and light. He still kept loving people, even with all he had to go through. Now, most people that have really been done wrong by people, what do they usually try to avoid? People. You probably have someone in your family that way, and it may even be, be you. People have just done you wrong, and you don't want to make friends with anybody. You don't want to put yourself out there. You don't want ha- it to happen again, and so the only way you can think to keep it from happening is to avoid people. But Joseph didn't do that. He just kept being salt and light, even though he had been done wrong time and time again. See, Joseph loved Pharaoh, and Pharaoh loved him. If you continue to read the story, you can see how much influence that Joseph had over Pharaoh when Joseph's father, Jacob, dies. Joseph asks if he can go fulfill the promise he made to his father and go, and go bury him in Canaan. And so Pharaoh not only tells him, yeah, you can go, but he even sends his officials with Joseph. You see, Joseph did not have an influence uh, uh, with, with Pharaoh. He had an influence with all the Egyptian people, too. It wasn't just with Pharaoh. It was all of them. Now, remember, these are not people that serve God. It's, it's the Egyptians, not the Hebrews. And so at the beginning of Genesis chapter 50, we see that uh, Jacob dies and that Joseph's people fulfilled the 40-day process of embalming the body. I think it's verse 3. Uh, and it says it went 40 days. Yeah. Okay. Basically, they mourned the death of Jacob for 40 days. But you see that next line. The Egyptians mourned for 70 days. So Joseph's people mourned for 40 and the Egyptians mourned 70. They mourned longer than Joseph's people did for the death of Joseph's father. And if you, that seems strange, but that's the influence that he had by loving them. And if you read on down after Pharaoh sends Joseph on his way to, to bury his father, you find another interesting point, and this is in uh, verses 10 and 11. It says, As when they arrived at the threshing floor of Atad near the Jordan River, they held a very great and solemn memorial service with the seven-day period of mourning Joseph's father. The local residents, the Canaanites, watched them mourning at the threshing floor of Atad. Then they renamed the place which is near the Jordan, Abel Mizraim, for they said, this is the place of deep mourning for these Egyptians. Not the Hebrews, not the children of Israel. The, the, the Egyptians were mourning their crying so loudly for the death of Joseph's father that the Canaanites renamed that place because of the sorrow of the Egyptians. And they're mourning just his father. This is not the death of Joseph. This is not the death of, of Pharaoh. This is the death of Joseph's father, and they're mourning this way. It's because Joseph had a tremendous influence on all of these people, everyone around him. And God wants us to do the same thing because the world needs us. The world needs us to be salt. The world needs us to be light. The world needs the wisdom of God through us like Joseph and Daniel. The world needs us to be the light 
reflecting Christ that breaks through the darkness and gives them the hope in Jesus that they all need and they all desire, whether they know it or not. We need to stop limiting ourselves by focusing on how bad the world is and focusing on how bad our situation seems to be. And we just need to begin to shine, be who he's called us to be. I know the world seems bad. I know it seems dark. It is dark, but none of that really matters. See, today, ultimately, we find ourselves in the same situation as Ezekiel. In the book of Ezekiel, the question was never how dry are the bones. The question was, can the bones live? And the answer was yes. See, it, do, it doesn't matter how dark it is. The question isn't how dark is the world. The question is, can you shine? Can you reflect the love of Christ in your life? Can you carry the wisdom of God? Can you be the salt and the light that he's called you to be and that he's called me to be? And the answer is yes, we can. We can be the salt and light of the earth. We can make a difference in every situation that we face. God can use us to reach our neighbors and God can use us to reach the nations. He can use us to have influence even over kings. It doesn't matter if we'll just be the salt and the light because the world needs the wisdom of God and the world needs to see Jesus through each and every one of us so that we can see revival and that we can, we can see a difference. So, Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place, Lord. Lord, we thank you that you've provided everything we need to accomplish the mission you've given us. Lord, I pray that we would be salt and that we would be light, God. Lord, that we would bring wisdom into every situation, Lord, that we would, we would be sensitive to your voice, God, and that we would we'd be obedient to your voice, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to shine, Lord, just, just to rise and shine, God. Thank you for the love of Christ that's in each and every one of us here today, Lord. Lord, let us realize that Jesus is enough to go out with boldness and declare the goodness of God in every situation that we face. God, I pray that if there's anyone here today, God, that is struggling with doubt or fear, God, that it would all be gone, that we would just take courage and we would take strength in you, knowing that you can take care of it all, God. And Lord, we just bless you and we just thank you in Jesus' name. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our Connect Groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.